Welcome back again to BadQuaker.com podcast. Today is podcast number 73 with Ben and Kai. It was originally supposed to be a, uh, the third in the series on raising a nonviolent family. And it's, instead of that, it turned into what you're about to hear. So today's podcast with Ben and Kai. Okay, so we're back talking about uh, raising a peaceful or a libertarian or a nonviolent, a non-aggressive family, mm-hmm. uh, or however else we want to label it, so that people will listen. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wait, what's popular nowadays? We can throw in some buzzwords. So, <laughs> you know, hey, let me let me go off on a different direction because. That is kind of the interesting thing about podcasting as opposed to mainstream media. Because mainstream media, even though there's clearly a message that they're, you know, a, a pro-government message that always come from comes from mainstream media. Uh, in addition to that, though, they have to cater to certain groups and certain people in order, you know, so, so you'll always get what this pop star is doing, or you always get what that pop star is doing, or, or what this famous person in Hollywood is doing, or, you know, they, 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 they constantly have to adjust the message to keep people hooked to, to the mainstream media right. like that. Um, whereas the podcasters, all the waves and waves of podcasters, at least when they start, and I hope we can continue to maintain this, it's like when we first started this, we weren't doing it to say something that so that people would listen to us. We were saying what we were saying, right? Knowing that nobody was listening, right? And if somebody listens, that's great. But there was no guarantee in the beginning that anybody would listen. And we're up to now; we're we're hitting close to two thousand downloads per uh, episode, mm-hmm. plus whatever is listening on the radio, and you know, whatever right. whoever's listening with iTunes and all the other ways to get the the message out. Um, when we first started, there was literally, we were having like 20, 30 downloads. Right. So, and most of those were people that we knew. (laughs) So, so we weren't catering the message to the audience. Right. We were just talking and people wanted to hear that. And I think that's, that's the amazing difference between what's happening on the internet not just podcasting. Right. Podcasting is one aspect. But blogging. And- yeah, and YouTube videos and stuff. Uh, there are companies now that are like, you know, car companies that are making commercials to be YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. And and what's happening is the market is bending to the internet, mm-hmm. not the internet bending to the market. It's really I, an amazing thing. I actually, I was, I was on Facebook with uh, somebody, and we were, uh, oh, uh, the Michael Dean from the Freedom Fiends oh, podcast. Yeah. We yeah. were talking, we were talking about how the government's trying to crack down on these uh, advertisements that come across on the television oh, really yes. loud, yeah. and yeah. and it's like, wow, way to be behind the curve government because <laughs> the market's already taking care of that issue. Yeah. I, I don't, I watch TV on my TV. Mm-hmm. I don't ever see a commercial on my TV. Um, and also with, uh, the TiVo and the different, uh, DVR or what mm-hmm. I, I can't remember what the other, what the, but you can either fast forward through commercials, uh-huh. you know, cause you're constantly recording, uh, on it's according to how your cable or how your satellite is set up. Right. Um, so you, so you can either mute commercials, you can automatically mute commercials according to what features you have. Uh-huh. Um, and so the market 
is is literally rendering all that meaningless long before the government even knew there was a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and in a way that is effective mm-hmm. as opposed to government legislation, which will not be effective in the slightest. Right. You know, also, <laughs> uh, we have cat invasion. Oh, you're going to glare at me now because she's wanting food. Yeah. It's been too long since since I fed her, so she's hinting. <laughs> I should she's probably... She's going to start knocking stuff off the table yeah, soon. Yeah, I should probably break away real quick and go and get her some food before she gets violent. Cat so, property rights supersede all other... Yeah, that's what she agrees. <laughs> I should have thrown out some nuts for the squirrels while I was up there um, because... Did you hear about them ringing the doorbell? <laughs> I did. I heard. I heard you had uh, solicitors at the door. Yeah, crazy squirrels. They, How did they the, even get up to the door now? Well, the, the the screen door has that hook latch, oh. and it had got flipped over, and so the door, the screen door, wasn't all the way closed. The latch was holding it open, mm-hmm. and the latch was laying against the the doorbell button. So all they had to do was bump the screen door. And so there was, uh, uh, I had put out bread for the birds Mm -hmm. and the squirrels will eat the bread if there's no nuts. Right. So they were, I'm assuming they were fighting over, you know, who gets the bread. Right. And probably one of them bumped the door and that's why it rang the doorbell. So I went up and I threw like, I had like three walnuts. I threw out three walnuts. And when I did that, I realized there was like six squirrels. So I thought, okay, well, I'll get some more and throw those out. So I came back. I was going to get more nuts to throw out, and then I got distracted, you know, because I, I do that. And uh, a couple, damage and all. Yeah. And a couple minutes, and the doorbell rang again. And I'm like, it, I started thinking about it, and I thought, oh, you know what? That doorbell is battery-operated. I'll bet you the battery's dying. And so it's, uh, it's not the squirrels, because I didn't realize... When, the, when I first threw the first nuts out, I didn't realize the screen door was hooked like that. Ah. So, um, so the second time that it rang, I thought, well, that's crazy. Of course the squirrels can't ring the doorbell. Something, <laughs> Something's going wrong. So I got the bell itself, and I took it out. I got my toolbox, and I started testing the, the batteries to see how much, they, and the batteries were still good. So I'm like, well, what's making this thing ring like this? And so I've literally, it's on the table. It's sitting on the table. I've got my toolbox there, and and uh, uh, I put the batteries back into it, and I'm standing there looking at it, and it rings again. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what is going on? Because it's a radio controlled. It's a, a radio signal from the from the actual button right. to the little box that rings. So I'm like, what is going on? Is there like uh, somebody else's garage door is on the right frequency? Or you know, I'm thinking about this. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I'll change because it's got little pins and you can change the frequency. So I'm thinking, okay, I'll change the frequency and then I'll go out to the button. I'll take the button off and I'll change the frequency on the button. So I switch the frequency on the bell, and I walk over and I open the door to get the to take the button off of the side of the the thing there. And that's when I see that the screen door's <laughs> latch is hitting the button. <laughs> so, you know, so that's the great mystery. That's how the squirrels were ringing the doorbell. The, they Evidently, they were probably fighting, you know, jumping around and hitting each other. That's how they fight. Right. And in the process, they would hit that screen door, and it would 
because of the way the latch was, it would hit the button right. and ring the bell. So I'm disassembling the thing on the... <laughs> just, just don't add up! Yeah, because yeah, I can't... I'm, I, you know, I said it on Facebook, just goofing around, like, oh, right. I got squirrels ringing the doorbell. But when it happened the second time, it's like, no, something's going on. Squirrels can't ring the doorbell. But they were. <laughs> the madness of this household. Okay, so... Uh, are we going to do the podcast yes, on, yes. <laughs> on raising a nonviolent family? Yes. <laughs> or are we going to talk about squirrels for an hour? <laughs> so I guess we can start to work on the the years through school mm-hmm. and some of the nonsense of school and some of the alternatives to school. Here's she just fell. <laughs> now she's looking. At me. <laughs> what did you do that for? Did she get into the catnip? I don't. Know. No, catnip makes her, like, sleepy and... <laughs> she may interrupt us again. She may jump up here and knock the mic over. She's she's really going nuts on us. Okay, so how do we get this to a sane <laughs> podcast that's not about pets and animals and squirrels and walnuts? When you begin to do anything, you say, I want... Um, I want to buy a house. Mm-hmm. You have to make decisions about what kind of a house you're looking for. You have mm-hmm. to say things like, you know, do I want to be out of city limits? Do I want easy access to shopping? Do I want, you know, mm-hmm. and so you have to make a plan of the things that you want. Otherwise, you're going to end up just getting whatever right. and getting, you know, four Stuck years into life. it and going, oh, I hate this house, mm-hmm. you know. And I think with kids, that's important, too, Mm -hmm. to say, what kind of adults do I want to raise? Because Mm -hmm. you're not raising children. Right. You know, you're raising adults. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you want to say, what are the values that I want to give this person? Mm -hmm. What what kind of a future do I want this person to have? Mm -hmm. What opportunities in life do I want to give this person? Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of people, they have bought into this mythology that in order for a person to be successful, mm-hmm. you have to go to college, rack up debt, mm-hmm. have a, a really high-paying job that lets you buy a huge house and multiple cars and big, giant electronic devices and mm-hmm. be a massively in debt. Yeah. And that's how you know you're successful. Right. And I think that is not a libertarian goal. Right. And so when you begin to raise a libertarian child, you have to say, that is not the goal we're looking for. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Because if you want to be exactly like what the state essentially has has designed for us, which is an entirely non-sustainable... And when I say sustainable, I don't, I don't mean that there are hippies holding hands, braiding hemp ropes or something. You know, um, sustainable as in a culture cannot go on forever, perpetually increasing the amount of debt that it, that it burdens its, the next generation with. And this, th- that whole system is not sustainable in the sense that uh, a person... At some point you stop having people to feed off of. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 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 the the person can, who's drinking, let's say, a heavy drinker, who begins to go on a binge 
and consumes massive amounts of alcohol for like three or four days steady to where they never sober up for three or four days, at some point in time, this is not sustainable. Mm -hmm. This is not a process that can continue. At some point in time, there will be a crash. Right. And, and our, this society that you just described of people running up higher and higher debt and constantly uh, worrying about their image next to their neighbors and, you know, building McMansions and trying to um, grass, <laughs> <laughs> yards filled with grass, um, being mowed. <laughs> that's, a, that's really a side rant there. Because uh, I just see grass, yards, with growing grass as a, as a sign of the stupidity of America. It's like... Well, I kind of see the same thing with, you know, people... These these maple trees you had in your front yard. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it would be different why? if we tapped them for maple syrup. Uh, but they're not even sugar maple. No. So you can't even do that. No, they're just... They're, decorative. They're decorative <laughs> trees, you know? And the exact same things that are being done by those trees, mm-hmm. you know, providing shade, providing yeah. beauty, and all of that mm-hmm. can be done with trees that produce things. Yeah. and But we're filling parks yeah. with, with, with... Can you imagine filling... A, you know, there's this park right down the street from mm-hmm. us, and yeah. it's got trees in it. Right. Well... What if those were apple trees? Yeah. Or, you know... Any particular... Uh, hazelnut trees, yeah. walnut trees. Yeah. Something that provides... Well, and that's the amazing part. You know, I was talking to a neighbor when when Hurricane Ike came through. Uh, it really caused a lot of damage in this in this area. Took our roof and, you know, it, it just really did a lot of damage. We were out... I can't remember now. It was something like 12 or 14 days that the electric was out or something like that. And um, uh, fortunately, that happened in September, n- you know, not, <laughs> not in February. February. <laughs> if it would have had, if a storm like Ike would have come through in February, there would have been massive amounts of people dead in Ohio. Yeah. But, uh, but it came through in a mild part of the year when it's okay to be outside with no electricity and, yeah. you know. Um, or even it, if it would have happened in August. Yeah, it would have been very... There would have been people dying from the heat because we're just not accustomed to having to deal with what our ancestors two generations ago lived in. Yeah. But um, uh, but when, when I came through, it came through at the point of the season where walnuts and um, hickory nuts are coming ripe on all the walnut and hickory trees that grow naturally in Ohio. And... Um, what the result of that was that there were, you know, walnuts flying at a hundred miles an hour <laughs> <laughs> through the air. Uh, not quite a hundred, but right. you know. Um, so, uh, at least as fast as I could throw them. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of you know it, there was damage specifically for like hail damage. It, right. You know, it appeared to be hail damage on some cars from the walnuts. Uh, and and from the hazel, I mean, uh, not, did I say hazelnuts? I meant you um, said hickory nuts. Hickory nuts, yes, hickory nuts. So in the aftermath and the cleanup process that went on afterwards, I was talking to a neighbor, and he said uh, he was complaining about uh, about these horrible hickory nuts that are everywhere, and um, he referred to them as pig nuts because only a pig would want to eat those things, except they're delicious. <laughs> Uh, they're a little hard to crack open, and, and they're hard to get the meat and, out of. And 
pigs who feed on nuts are delicious. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, hickory nut is the ancestral nut of the pecan, mm-hmm. or pecan, as uh, according to what part of the country you're from. <laughs> we don't say pecan in my family. We say pecan. Uh, even though we're from Appalachia, we still say pecan because a pecan is the thing that Grandma kept next to her bed when she couldn't make it out to the outhouse anymore. So <laughs> she had a pecan next to her bed. So, so we don't call that. That's not food. That's a that's an object. <laughs> But anyway, so so the hickory nut is the ancestor of the of the pecan, mm-hmm. and pecans are delicious. Mm-hmm. You know, now some people don't like them. That's okay too, but they were bred specifically uh, to have a lighter shell. Mm-hmm. Um, but hickory nuts are delicious, and, and we sweep them up and throw them away. It's interesting because when you look at the nut spectrum. Mm-hmm. The nuts that are thin-shelled mm-hmm. are generally the least nutritious. Yeah. You know, you look at Brazil nuts. Brazil nuts are by far yeah. the most nutritious of the nuts. Yeah. And, and they're yeah. In, in the... When they come off the tree, <laughs> there's almost nothing other than humans and, like, one or two other animals that can get those things open. <laughs> you know, birds with beaks that... <laughs> You take your finger right off. <laughs> Fortunately, those things like the nuts and not fingers. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it's it, that's what I mean by unsustainable. Our whole society is unsustainable. We have geese that that, that come through here every year, twice mm-hmm. a year, and they are so aggressive that they will just walk. They will block traffic. Uh, you know, fifteen, twenty geese walking through traffic, yeah. and people honk their horns and try to negotiate around them and stuff. It's food. Yeah. That's a, that's a that's like a twenty pound bird. Yeah, standing there. We'll go down and pay at the Kroger or the Walmart or whatever, and buy a turkey that's pumped full of hormones and is completely unnatural, can't fly, and we'll honk our horn at the goose that's Wait, free. Worse, worse. Yeah, have you priced foie gras? <laughs> foie gras is goose liver. <laughs> Okay, this stuff is going for ungodly amounts of money. (laughs) They're right there. You could get the whole bird. (laughs) You don't have to be desperate and eat its innards. I mean, the whole bird. So that's what I mean by not sustainable. that, That when you look at things like that in our Western society... Uh, it's so backward to logic that we're creating, and each generation we're getting worse and worse with this. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I, one more thing on the plant issue. Oh, okay. These people who spray for dandelions <laughs> when dandelions are every part of the dandelion is edible, and the grass you're trying to promote not edible and. <laughs> Less attractive looking than those pretty yellow flowers. <laughs> there's a there's a church on Highway 741 mm-hmm. that does not spray. There they have a really big open uh, grass area between their church building. And they have a big parking lot, but it's in the back, and they have a very large uh, grass lawn in front of the church. Mm-hmm. And as you go down Highway 741, they're on the east side over there on that side of town and um 
when the dandelions all come out in the summer with all their yellow blocks, the whole, they don't spray at all at that mm-hmm. church. And so the whole big giant yard is just beautiful yellow in dandelions. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's beautiful. And across the street is a different church that sprays its yard. And they have a, you know, because the kind of community we're in, we have mega churches. Right. Um, and so they spray and they don't have dandelions. And they just have a green grass, like everybody else's green grass. And it's just green. Yeah. And they mow it and they mow it and they mow it. And it's just green. And it's boring. Yeah. It's like everybody else's. Yeah. <laughs> but the beautiful lawn filled with those dandelions. Uh, you can go to the health food store and mm. you can buy dandelion greens. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Greens. <laughs> they don't call them leaves. It's dandelion greens. But you can buy them. They're like $3 a pound. <laughs> um, for dandelions. Right here in this neighborhood, I know some of our neighbors have to hate me because, you know, I have the whole thing of, of herbs and, and wild edibles in front. And then coming down the side, I have a row of, um, uh, Washington hawthorns that are nasty, thorny, ugly, monstrous trees. Uh, but they're allegedly, yeah, <laughs> well, they, they're allegedly hawthorns because we got, got them from, uh, that's like the third generation that I've planted out there. Cause they keep dying. I, I get them from, um, uh, uh, give a negative shout out here. Uh, uh, Arbor Day? Ar- Ar- yeah, Arbor Day Foundation, and they keep sending me trees that are mislabeled or they die right away. You know, so I'm I'm not getting any more from those guys. I'll pay and and get them from a legitimate nur- nursery. Yeah. Anyway, so the hawthorns are nasty, ugly, thorny trees, and the reason they're there is because I don't I want that side. I want a wall of thorns <laughs> on that side of the of the house um, because. I don't. I don't have proper windows, and I don't have a, a way to view and guard that kind of that side of the house. Right. So instead, I'll just put up some some of the most nasty thorn trees that will grow in Ohio, um, <laughs> along through there, and that way I know nobody is going to approach the house in that direction. Right. So so my whole point in this ramble is, um, I don't have what my neighbors would consider to be an attractive yard. Right. I have swales dug. I have weird things growing. I have a swale across the front, my front yard where I grow herbs and wild edibles. And I have <laughs> totes full of sweet potato plants and uh, here goes the cat. Potato again. plants in the backyard. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> barrels with <laughs> potatoes growing and things, these weird stuff like this. And I know that it, my neighbors hate it because the one neighbor lady that, you know which one I'm talking right. about. Um, she pays the service to come out and spray all the time to spray her yard. And they spray it and they spray it and they spray it. They spray it to keep the dandelions out and they spray it to give it to make it healthy and green. So they give it, uh, they pour all these chemicals into the grass over there. And um, the end result is she goes out and mows probably three times as much as I mow. And she gathers all her clippings. And puts them in the trash. In the recycle. She uses the recycle uh, uh, bags and sets it out for the trash man and so that they can haul them off to recycling. How does a person come to the point of where they pay someone to bring chemicals to squirt on their lawn to, to give enough nutrients so that their grass turns green and then they cut the clippings off and they haul them away in a truck to go someplace to be recycled? Yeah. Well, how, how the same is that? thing happens with the leaves. Yeah, it's the same thing. I go out. I have leaves 
you know, there that uh, for however long it lasts before the before the boars before the emerald boars get it, that um, that ash right there produces a tremendous amount of leaves. Mm-hmm. And every year I'm like, yeah, I got leaves <laughs> because I grind them up and I put them in my compost and I feed my plants mm-hmm. with those leaves. All the neighbors around me. They rake and they rake and they rake and they pile their leaves and the truck comes and sucks them all up and hauls them away somewhere. And then they pay to have people come and squirt stuff on their lawn for fertilizer. Mm -hmm. This is so goofy. Mm -hmm. It's unsustainable. If you just drive across it with your lawnmower on the mulch setting and you just mulch all those leaves right back into your grass and then a couple times a year you go through and aerate your grass and that, you know, uh, I... Some people pay to have that done. I just have a thing with spikes on it and roll it around on the yard, you know. But, um, uh, and, and you know, I'm not the per- I'm, it, This sounds like I'm on a hippie rant here. <laughs> but really, you know, I, if I needed to, I could grow, uh, I do grow quite a bit of my own stuff, but I could grow a lot of stuff here. Mm-hmm. If I needed to, if the economy really gets bad, I can grow a lot of stuff on this little chunk of land. My neighbors will starve. Mm-hmm. If the economy turns bad and they can't go to Kroger, they're dying. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a that's a horrible situation to have America in. Yeah, and not just America. You know, a lot of Western culture is getting that way. They're moving in that direction where yeah. it's just simply not sustainable without this massive government overlay. You know, f- keeping all the the things going. Well, and most people don't even know where, like, they don't. Okay, so like, a, we could not raise cattle on this right, property, right? But there are farms around here that have cattle, mm-hmm. and most people have no idea who their local farmers are. Yeah, yeah, they don't have a clue. You know, and if you have a working relationship with your local farmers, if you are a customer of them, Mm -hmm. then you get top priority. Yeah. You know? (laughs) But it's just, it's it's deciding what kind of lifestyle you want. Mm -hmm. You you realize that we have completely abandoned the family. Yeah, we really have. So we're going to have to pick that up on a different podcast, and this will just be... uh, this will be the sustainable podcast. The sustainable podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, going back to your original point that caused me to completely rant for half an hour off the topic, um, you do kind of have to plan what, what, not only for yourself, what kind of life do I want to have? Don't, don't just sit back and be a victim of society and let it guide you to whatever it wants to make you. Mm-hmm. In. But do that with your kids too. You know, um, have some kind of idea of, of where uh, where you want to guide them to. Because ultimately, they're going to go where they want to go and do right. what they want to do. And, you know, this isn't an issue of, you know, I want my kid to be a doctor. I'm going to push mm. them in that direction. It's not about that. It's about what kind of morals and values do I want my children to have. Right. You know, do I want them to be a consumer or do I want them to be a producer? Yeah. And we're in a consumer society. Mm-hmm. You know, we are absolutely in a consumer society. And it's it's sad, but you almost have to raise kids in isolation for them to not be consumers. Yeah. And, and we should point out, because some, unfortunately, libertarians that tend toward the economics argument uh, get really confused on this topic. And they, and they say, well, you know... That's good. Right. Uh, the fact that we have all these factories and all these 
companies and all, you can go to Walmart and buy anything you want to buy. That's This is all good. It's the wonders of the market. Well, yes and no. The wonders of the market do create amazing things for us, gadgets and doodads, and, and we, you know, we can talk to people around the world, and, and there's wonderful things the market has produced. But the market didn't produce what we're complaining about. Right. The market didn't naturally produce an entire generation of people who can't feed themselves. Right. The state uh, needs people who are who can't feed themselves. Well, yeah, it, that's what it does. Yeah, the state has to have us dependent upon it. Because people who are not dependent upon the state are not dependent upon the state. Right. <laughs> but people who are dependent on the state cannot survive without the state. And... You know, human beings are social animals. Mm -hmm. we, we really are. And we can't... The idea of living a completely self-sufficient lifestyle mm -hmm. is nearly impossible. Right. Um, and community is really, really important. Mm -hmm. And getting to know your local farmers mm -hmm. and getting to know, you know, oh, that's my neighbor so-and-so. She yeah. grows fantastic asparagus, you yeah. know? Yep. And... That is how human beings work. Mm -hmm. That's the wonder of the market. Yeah. You know? But this idea of just consuming, consuming, consuming mm -hmm. without producing anything. Right. That's not a free market. That's yeah. a skewed market. Yeah. That's that's the balance is tipped. Yeah. Yeah. And as more and more we move towards that as society, uh, it gets to the point of where that aspect of the state, which is the part of society that is entirely dependent upon that whole process, that's going to crumble. Mm -hmm. It's going to fall. And some people, uh, especially... And it has in the past. Yeah, oh yeah. This is not an unprecedented thing. Mm -hmm. uh, some people uh, tending towards the survival end of the liberty movement um, talk about that quite a bit. You know, There are a lot of survival-related um, groups that are really expanding, uh, the, you know, uh, right now. that's It's very popular because mm -hmm. more and more people are seeing the folly of being entirely dependent upon the system. The, uh, if, if you just consider one thing, uh, there's a, this, uh, uh, a thing called um, just-in-time inventory. Mm -hmm. The way just-in-time... I dealt, dealt with this when I was in the aircraft engine uh, industry. Uh, we had, at our facility... There was one building, and it was just this one building, and it's like uh, eight stories tall, and it's probably, oh, I'd say 50 yards, uh, the footprint on the ground is probably a 50-yard square, mm -hmm. and it's eight stories tall, and it's entirely filled with parts, engine parts, and there's an automatic stacker in there, it's called, and what that thing does, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a giant Coke machine, right. or it's kind of like you know those movie machines that are at grocery stores and stuff that mm -hmm. you go up and put your slide your card and buy a movie from it. Uh -huh. If you can imagine one of those the size of an eight story building, that's what that that building was a machine. It's it's even though you look at it, you say it's a building. No, it's a machine. Right. It's an entirely automated machine, and it has stacks and stacks and stacks inside there. Of uh, pallets holding engine parts, right? And um, and that wasn't all of our storage. <laughs> we had more on top of that, um, but all of that stuff was our inventory. And we had 
literally billions of dollars worth of engine parts in there. Some of them one-of-a-kind experimental engine parts. And the computer had to know where all that stuff was. Right. Well, for a company to hold that kind of assets is taking a tremendous risk on the part of the company. Mm -hmm. Because the company has invested money in every single one of those little parts. Right. And then the question comes up, will we ever use this again? And if the company never uses that part, then that's money that the company wasted. Right. And all the time you held that in your inventory, you wasted money. Right. Because the building has to be, you know, maintained and there's electricity and all these things. And there's people, there's workers that have to repair the machines when they break and, you know, the stacking machines and all this. So every item that you hold in inventory costs you all the time it costs you when you bought it it costs you all the time when you use it and you take the risk of never never actually using it so it may be a complete loss just to own it mm-hmm. so one of the things we were doing was we were reducing constantly as fast as we could we were reducing our inventory to get to the point of where we could be just in time right in other words a manufacturer in turkey would produce an a part an engine part and we would already have the the place for it to go before it was even manufactured. And that part would go from Turkey all the way to the United States, and it would arrive uh, at the airport in the Cincinnati airport, which is actually in northern Kentucky. It would arrive at the airport, and they would take it straight from the airport to us, and we, we would bring it in through our receiving department, and the engineers that did quality control would do an inspection on it and it would go straight from the inspector's desk right to the assembly line and be put on an engine. Right. So it would literally... It would never have to be stored. Yeah. It never got stored theoretically. It never got stored for a moment. It was in transit from the time it was made until it was put on the engine. This is why when you look at, right now especially, it's a great time to look at this. Um, if you go to stores like Walmart, whatever, they have non-perishable mm-hmm. Christmas decorative items. Yeah. And they have severely reduced their prices to try to sell them and get rid of them so yeah. they don't have to store them. Yeah, because we're and, the days right after Christmas here. And, and when, you, when you think about it, it doesn't really make sense because there's going to be a Christmas next year. Right. You know, you you would think that they would just hold it mm-hmm. and wait until next year and sell it for full, full price next year. But they'd rather but, sell it almost below cost yeah, to get rid to of it. Just get rid of it. In, like in, 19, in the 1950s, if you went to a grocery store in America in the 1950s, the part of the grocery store where, the person walk, where people walked around and shopped was generally like half of the store. And there was a wall with a big set of doors, and on the other side of that wall, there were shelves and racks that held uh, an inventory that they stocked the out the the right. part where you shopped at. It was all back there. If you go to a grocery store today, almost the entire body of the grocery store is the shopping area. There's a little almost closet-like area behind a wall that has an employee bathroom, an employee lunch break room. Um, uh, and a receiving area mm-hmm. where the trucks can unload their stuff, and there's no storage. Right. If there is storage, it's a very tiny, almost closet-like storage. It's that's back just there. the place where they 
you know, put stuff in for a couple hours. Yeah, until they can get it out on the shelves. The grocery store's entire inventory is what you see when you walk around in the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Um, That's because they're utilizing just-in-time inventory, the the theory of just-in-time inventory. That means that if for some reason the truck that's coming up here from Paraguay or whatever doesn't get here with the ripe lemons or something, then there are no ripe lemons. Mm -hmm. It's just that simple. Yeah. So, so... And this happens. Yeah. This is not shocking. So, the the problem with that is that if you have anything that interrupts that flow of trucking, anything at all that interrupts that flow of trucking, then all of a sudden, grocery stores all over North America run out mm-hmm. in a couple days. All their stuff runs out. So, for example, if uh, if one trucking company goes on strike... Then perhaps we won't have lemons, right? You know, or or if one trucking company goes on strike, then perhaps we won't have a full supply of the of of a specific type of dairy stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden we don't have craft cheese or something like this. Okay, can I just point out how disgusting it is that we truck in milk from <laughs> all over the country? How that's this? If, how disgusting is that? <laughs> You're going to go on a milk rant, aren't you? <laughs> well, it's not just milk. You know, milk's the main thing. I mean, mm-hmm. eggs are the same way. Yeah. Like, yeah. how? That's just wrong. Uh, they really store eggs for long term before you get them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think people realize how old eggs are when you buy them fresh at the grocery store. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> I just bought eggs from the farmer's market uh, Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. I bought eggs from the farmer's market and I cracked it and firstly that's really hard to do. Yeah, cuz the yeah, the chickens are healthy so yeah. so the shells are thick. That's really <laughs> hard to do and they're not only the thick but they have a membrane on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to, you can break the outer shell and then you kind of have to <laughs> rip apart this membrane. And then around the yolk itself, there's a membrane. Because uh-huh. <laughs> that would have actually been a bird right. at some point in time. And, and this is not, well, not unless it was fertilized, it, right, but, right. but, but, but yeah. the potential is there. But, you know, people, it shocks me that people don't know what food looks like yeah. anymore. But it's because of our dependency upon this massive system, mm-hmm. and that has homogenized and pasteurized mm-hmm. and irradiated and and processed and 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 the whole thing is so delicate that now I mentioned like if one trucking com- goes company goes on strike, one truck trucking I can't say the words, <laughs> one trucking company goes on strike, then you miss one little element. Of the things that are at the grocery store. But, or, you know, maybe Meyer's prices went up, but Kroger is any yeah, different. Yeah. You know. Um, or, or just e- even just on a little sliver of their products. Mm-hmm. But if something happens that alters the trucking industry, if something interrupts the trucking industry so that you have multiple trucking companies that for some reason don't deliver for a week then you have a massive breakdown mm-hmm. in what it takes to get food on people's tables because almost nobody in America has more than a couple days of food in their house. 
uh, you know, we're kind of the audit. We really are the oddity mm-hmm. on that kind of thing. Um, that we have multiple pantries and you know multiple storage and and behind you is a is a whole rack of homemade wine and you know of course you know there's <laughs> if anything bad were to happen you'd be eating pickles and drinking homemade wine <laughs> life's good that's good <laughs> i got enough pickles to last through the apocalypse <laughs> But even that, you know, that's a trap that people fall into. They get into this mentality that they have to prepare and have a big pantry. Mm-hmm. And the reality of the fact is pantry food is not healthy. Yeah, it's uh, it's better you know, it's than starving. All, it's, it's better than starving, mm-hmm. but it's all grain-based and it's all mm-hmm. bean-based. And it's, you know, I mean, these are things that human beings have figured out ways to make them nutritious mm. enough to where you don't die. Yeah. But they're not going to promote healthiness. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas if you have a healthy working relationship with a local farmer mm-hmm. or two or three, yeah. you know, they, they a trucking strike is mm-hmm. not going to prevent them from having eggs or from having milk or from having beef right. or lettuce or whatever it is that they grow. Mm-hmm. And so... You can depend on them to be able to have this stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. and 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 I picked on the truck, the trucking industry. It, it could really there's so many multiple levels of things that could collapse. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, there as we are talking right now, there are um, war games going on. Uh, Iran is going through some practices with their navy in the Strait of Hormuz. And you may have seen one of my rants on Facebook about that, that because because you know they're all oh they're being aggressive. We have we do uh, any any military has to have certain practice routines that they do, right. and they do that because um, they they have to be honed in self defense in order to not have another company another <laughs> country aggress upon them. Right. This is not happening because Iran is evil it's happening because we have states right um, so you know and and then the concept that okay Iran is being aggressive in the Strait of Hormuz the Strait of Hormuz is 35 miles wide that's about as wide as the Chesapeake Bay it's 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 similar to the distance across uh, what Puget Sound is that what it is up there and uh, I have to get out my map and uh, let me get a map I'll <laughs> That big one on the yeah. pull down with a pointer. Um, so, uh, but my point in in that rant is that anything could happen that would seriously alter the oil supply, and maybe not forever. Right? Maybe for six months. If something serious happens, and we can't get uh, the full supply of oil that we're accustomed to. And all of a sudden, diesel prices, instead of being a couple dollars a gallon, are $14 a gallon. But if that were but, to happen... You know, it's funny because gasoline and diesel prices are that expensive in Europe. Uh, I think they're not quite that bad, but they are, but they are bad compared expensive. to what we have. Yeah. Um, but they have... They, they don't... Most of Europe does not do its grocery shopping in huge... Mega grocery stores. Yeah. They have farmer's markets mm-hmm. that they go and they 
I, I think, from what I have observed, you know, on the internet and the television and the things like that, that there's a lot more... Um, people tend to garden more on their own mm-hmm. uh, in Europe than they do in the U.S. At least that's the impression that I get. Uh, but so much of the U.S., you know, if, if there was that kind of a six months spike in oil prices, the grocery stores would really quickly, there would still be deliveries, but uh, you wouldn't, you would be back to like what you're talking about, pantry items are not healthy. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what the grocery stores would have to do too. Right. They would have to go to the stuff that keeps people alive and not necessarily the stuff that's healthy or fun to eat or whatever. Right. Uh, and be- And because this system is so government dependent, um, uh, uh, the result of something like that is is going to look really nasty mm-hmm. to the general public because there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be very angry about this. Well, yeah, I don't know who the quote is attributed to, but there's a quote that basically says that any society is like three meals away from revolution. Yeah. And it's completely true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you get a society like what we have here in the United States, where they are systematically being taught that, mm-hmm. and we're being moved away from our fathers and our grandfathers' generations, where people did actually know how to grow some stuff in their own yards, and they, you know, the land that they owned was productive at, right. to, at least to some degree. At the very least, they knew what food looked like. Yeah. And you could, uh, uh, it wasn't that unusual to go out to the country and buy some food. Because, honestly, right now, Mm -hmm. you take any average 19, 20-year-old, and you give them a bag of beans, they wouldn't know what to do with it. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, between... because they eat everything, any beans that they're accustomed to eating are like in a burrito. Mm-hmm. You know, they're already completely processed. And I'm reminded of the uh, speaking of burritos. Uh, they now ser- sell kits mm-hmm. where you they have the preformed tortilla shells, mm-hmm. and they have a can of um, uh, of refried beans, mm-hmm. and they have a, a little container of uh, a sauce mm-hmm. of salsa of taco sauce, and they have seasoning pouch, and they have, and seasoning pouch. And they have cheese sauce. And, yeah, and like, like, like seasoning pouch, that means there's some mysterious ingredients in there. We, we don't possibly know how to, what are these mysterious things that we make taco seasoning from? Cornstarch and MSG. (laughs) That's what's in your seasoning pouch. Um, and, uh. And you buy the whole thing, and you take it home, and you open it, and all you have to add is hamburger meat. Mm-hmm. And I'm and at some point there will be a pouch of that in there too, you know. Oh yeah, um, because but, they already have these complete meals yeah. where it's this can of like chicken gravy stuff mm-hmm. that you pour in the pan, yeah. and then it's got like biscuit dough stuff that you pop on top and then yeah. you cook it in the oven. And I'm not saying that's bad. <laughs> uh, although it's you, probably very you, unhealthy. You rehydrate a mean pizza. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I'm not saying that's bad. Uh, the market is a magical thing that can produce all kinds of stuff to make our lives easier and convenient. But we become dependent on that because both members of the family now have to work. Mm-hmm. You you have to almost to, to survive. 
So and, and you end up with like the tacos. That taco pack uh-huh. cost you yeah. like five bucks. Com- compare if you compare it to uh, either just buying a, a packet of tortillas, right? Or if you really want to get crazy and make your own tortillas, they're not that hard. No, and they are dirt cheap. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you unless you're in Mexico. For the price of that little thing of uh, of refried beans in a can, I I buy refried beans in a can. We have storage in our pantry. We have lots of refried beans in a can. I'm not I'm not anti refried beans. <laughs> I would like to point out that <laughs> I have beans soaking at home that hey, I bought dry. I have beans in the pantry that I grew. <laughs> but um, I'll touch on that. Eight pinto beans. I planted eight. Pinto beans. And I literally produced... I, I didn't even harvest half of the beans. I left half of them out there. And I probably harvested a good pound of beans from those eight beans. Mm-hmm. That's amazing! Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, but but like you're saying, the average person today, the average young person, wouldn't know what to do, how to get from a pound of, of pinto beans to refried beans... They don't know how to make that leap. Mm-hmm. And so that raw food becomes useless to them. All they'll do is break their teeth on it because mm-hmm. you can't eat those things. <laughs> but for the same amount of money that you're paying for that packaged contraption, um, you could buy like a pound of beans, a pound of hamburger meat, a pound of flour. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you could buy all the components. And make tremendously more. Yep. But we spend, because because mom's at work and because dad's at work and because the kids just spent all day in school and just get home and they've got like four hours of homework to do once they get home and all everything in society keeps us from thinking and keeps us from evaluating this stuff. And so we don't have time. We, ha- we can't go and get the beans and soak them overnight and do, we can't do that. We have to buy that thing off the shelf. And then take it home and real quickly assemble it. And if it takes more than 15 minutes to make a, a meal for the family, then you got to look for somewhere else or right. you make a phone call or something. Right. Because we've gotten into that into this loop of doing it like this, mm-hmm. and we can't get out of it. You know, I'm talking about the whole society. I know we've broken that right. loop. But, but they are in that, and they can't get out of it. Because if one of them stops working and starts doing all this stuff around the house... Their layers and layers of debt will fall in on them and crush the family. Then you've got a divorce because yep. now they're angry at each other, and you know, the, and, and all the turmoil that comes with it, where it can all, all be eliminated by going back to the basics mm-hmm. and learning and deciding for yourself. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to raise my children to follow that path mm-hmm. and to perpetuate this unsustainable. Nonsense that is West that has become Western civilization. This is not what the West was two generations ago. Yeah, and, and I'm not some wide-eyed conservative who just wishes for a magical past that used to be. This the state is driving us into cubicle, into working in cubicles, driving in a little square car, packed in on the freeways mm-hmm. to get back to your little square house that's on a plot of property that you can barely walk between one house and another house, and the, which you can't do. Anything on without yeah. the 
state's permission. Yeah, the city. If you go out and start having some kind of groceries growing in your front yard, the city's going to come and fine you for it. Mm-hmm. You know, or you want to have some chickens you wanna, in your backyard. You talk about. You want to talk about. They hate us for our freedom. <laughs> go to the Middle East. Yeah. In the cities in the Middle East, people are raising chickens. Yeah. We we but we get up. We we shuffle our kids out to the bus so that they can be hauled away to the to their daily babysitter prison. And they sit there, brainless, at their desks. And they listen to the teach the teacher honking. Mm-hmm. And we know that. We make fun of it in our media. We giggle about it on TV. And it's happening. It's real. That's mm-hmm. really what's happening. And, they, and, and they're slowly, from the first day of school, they're taught not to think. Yep. I, I said at one time, uh, in reference to this eight-hour day, where we work eight hours, we get up in the morning to an alarm clock. The alarm clock w- wakes us up. We have to wake up in a state of emergency. In a terrible time of the morning. Yeah. In a, in a crazy early time in the morning when normal human beings should not be awake. Yeah. We wake up under emergency circumstances. We I jump believe, up, we get out of bed. People say, oh, well, you know, the when you when you live without electricity, you... Get up much earlier, you get up with the sun. No, you don't. That's a lie. <laughs> I have lived in a tent outside. Again, let me repeat that. Lived in a tent outside, and you do not wake up with the sun. <laughs> Only if you have mil- cows to milk. <laughs> but um, but we, we wake up under those emergency circumstances. We're, we're, we're li- literally at a run. Mm-hmm. We shove food into our face, usually the most unhealthy... Or t- Oh, but breakfast is the most important meal of the day. So, here's a Pop-Tart. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Here, have a donut, you know? Yeah, or, have... or, or you know, have uh, bacon <laughs> that <laughs> is from a pig that has been loaded full of antibiotics and... Mm-hmm. And genetically modified corn feed or genetically modified soy feed. And he stood in a thing where, where he just stood in one place for mm-hmm. his miserable his brief life. touches on either side uh-huh. of him. Um, so that's what we do to ourselves. Then we jump onto a freeway and we're shoulder to shoulder on the freeway just begging for death at any moment. Mm-hmm. You know, because the highway systems kill 40,000 people a year. Mm-hmm. And then we say, well, what would we do without government? How would we have roads? Well, maybe we wouldn't have roads that kill 40,000 people a year just in the U.S. alone. Yeah, but raw milk is illegal. Uh, we're, we're, yeah, we're upset because the terrorists came and they blew up the Twin Towers and it was dramatic. 40,000 people die every year on the roads. Mm-hmm. And we just go, yeah. Uh, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. And then go on battle business. We get in, we go right down there, get on the freeway, go to work, and hope we don't die. And then we sit in a job where you where you sit there and you don't think. We don't think Mm-mm. in America in our jobs. We don't think. We push buttons. We shuffle things. We make phone calls. We do emails. We talk to people. We get stuff done. We're doing stuff. We're busy. But none of it actually requires real thought. Mm-hmm. So we teach our brain. We teach ourselves to stay awake, stay alert, but don't think. Mm-hmm. That's what school has spent 12 years teaching you how to do. Sit in a desk, do stuff, but don't think. Yeah. And so you spend 12 years not learning anything in school so that you can go to a job and not use your brain. Mm-hmm. 
And so then there you are at that job, and you you earn just enough money during that eight hours there at that job that you can perpetuate the same system and continue with your debt. Yeah. And at the end of the day, at the end of the job, you're waiting in anticipation for those last few moments, you know, watching the clock. Okay, it's almost Meanwhile, time. Meanwhile, time. the fact of the matter that you're not thinking all day yeah. means that you are fighting to stay awake all day. Because by yeah. the time the adrenaline from making it to work has mm-hmm. worn off, yeah. you're at about noon and you're starting to nod off at your desk. So what do you do? You, ha- you have an energy drink right. that packs your brain full of either sugar or caffeine, caffeine or whatever. Yeah, and you eat you know, fast food or you eat, oh, I'm healthy, I'm going to have a salad. Great. <laughs> Great. Go ahead and have a salad. That's healthy. Yeah. You know, lettuce. <laughs> I'm gonna have a healthy salad. I'll have a pile of of iceberg lettuce covered in ranch dressing that's made with soybean oil and non-fat, skinless, boneless chicken breast cut up on top of it that was marinated in soybean oil and then was cooked in soybean oil. Oh, but I'm healthy. I'm I'm gonna go for the healthy option. And then you come home, and everybody in your house has gone through a variation of that same thing. Uh huh. And every member, the ones that were in school all day, they were doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And and now we all have to be friendly to each other, even though we're like half psychotic from this dopamine bath that's been screaming around in our brain. Because we've had these washes of yeah. adrenaline and caffeine and... Mm-hmm. and serotonin and and cortisol and things telling your brain stay alert don't think stay alert don't think stay alert don't think and these two contrary things are bouncing around in your head and then we come home and we just want some quiet we just want to sit down and just be quiet no shh be quiet mm-hmm. i just want to sit down and be quiet turn on the tv hey that's just like in school yeah <laughs> yeah and that's what's unsustainable. And, of course, you have no interest whatsoever in taking a couple hours to prepare a good meal. Yeah. You know? So you just pull something from the freezer, from the pantry, from... You call pizza. Microwave it. Yeah. Nuke it. And... Because maybe you get time to sit down. Mm -hmm. Maybe... Maybe you, uh, oh, you have to take little, you got to take little Johnny to soccer practice and you got to take little Mary to dance recital and, and it's never ending. And then you realize that you've got this 20 year old person mm-hmm. that you don't even know. Yeah. And that's your child. Yeah. You, you don't even know this person. You yeah. don't know what they like. You don't know what they don't like. You don't know what their interests are. Yeah. And then you're desperate to try to find something to buy for them for but Christmas. you've saddled them with debt. Mm-hmm. Because that's the very first thing we do to our children. Yeah. Oh, you're an adult now. Here, have $40,000 in student loans. Yeah, and a credit card. And a credit card. We uh, are out of time. <laughs> so, that was an hour-long <laughs> rant of no particular topic. So, anyway... <laughs> Sorry about that. Maybe we'll try to actually talk about something. Yeah. Um, so we're going to label that as the as something else. We won't even call this the the how to raise it because we'll have to do that on a separate podcast. But either way, folks, thanks for listening. If you want to email me, 
Ben at BadQuaker.com. Or I'm Kai, K-I at BadQuaker.com. And be sure to get over to BadQuaker.com. Bye.